Welcome to The Spotlight with the Ambassador and the Chief. In this program, we take a fresh look at some of today's challenges from the economy, education, politics, security, defense, and much more. You'll be prompted to see and think about things just a bit differently. Now, here are your hosts, Ambassador Harry Thomas and Chief Alex Morales. Welcome to The Spotlight. We are your hosts, Ambassador Retired Harry Thomas. Hey, I'm the Chief, uh, retired as well. Harry, uh, today we have a great friend of mine. Uh, she's uh, Polk County Commission District 4. Uh, she's also a small business owner. She's also a lifetime educator. And she's a uh, hunger from the island, from Puerto Rico, Dr. Marta Santiago. Please welcome to the, to the spotlight. Thank you so much. It's, it's a pleasure to be here today and, and to join both Alex and Harry. I look forward to it, definitely. Well, thank you for being here and for taking the time, Marta. Uh, Marta, please, can you please tell us about yourself? Sure, I, I'll be delighted. Who doesn't like to talk about themselves? <laughs> I sure do. Um, yes, I'm, uh, my name is Martha Santiago, and I was born in New York City um, way back, probably for your guys' times. So well, you, you're a fellow New Yorker like Harry. Harry's a New Yorker, too. Yeah, I'm a fellow New Yorker. But I left New York uh, very at a very early age when I was uh, 17. After graduating from high school, I followed my family who moved back to Puerto Rico. You know, you've got to go back to your roots, right, Alex? Yes, ma'am. Um, <clears throat> once I graduated, I went to uh, Puerto Rico and went to college. And, you know, the weird thing about it, that as an educator, I worked with students that came from different countries to Puerto Rico and learned the, the English language. Well, I experienced almost the opposite, even though I knew how to read write and speak in Spanish, it definitely was not the level of Spanish that I found when I was in Puerto Rico. So I went to the university and I experienced, kind of sort of experienced uh, learning Spanish as a second language. Um, there I, I became a teacher, I got married, I had my first daughter and I lived in Puerto Rico for seven years before moving to Florida. I uh, loved every minute of it, continued to visit because I have family in the island. So continue to visit the island as much as possible. That's that's it in a nutshell. Not unless you want to know something more specific, Alex. <laughs> that's okay. Go ahead, Harry. Well, that's incredible, Marta. What a what a, a beginning life story. Well, who are your role models? Well, I, I um, unfortunately I have lots of role models. I'm I'm gonna begin especially with my mom. I think moms are role models for most people and mine, uh, there was no exception to, to that. Now, let me tell you something, she was really strict, okay? And maybe that was the time and, uh, or the era, but there was nothing uh, that got away from my mother's attention. But boy, did she teach me a lot. And the funny thing about it is that as I grew up and as I had my own children, I found myself being kind of like my mom. I would say to myself, oh my gosh, <laughs> That's a my mom thing. But uh, she was definitely a, a big, big, big um, role model for me. And then I had a lot of other people throughout my life, throughout my career. Uh, I, one in specific was my um, elementary school principal when I was a teacher. And uh, I went to see her one day to tell her that I was moving on to teach high school. Um, and I thanked her profusely for giving me the opportunity 
to teach at the elementary level. And she sat me down and she said, Martha, have you ever thought of, of going into administration and being a, a school principal, being a leader? I thought she was crazy. I, I thought, I even laughed. I said, me, are you sure? Anyway, I, of course I said, thank you very much. I appreciate it. I left her office and two years later I came back and I said, you know, this lady must have seen something in me that I wasn't seeing. And I love people like that. When I try to do that, I try to see things in people that probably they don't even see in themselves. And um, I became a principal because of her. Now, it wasn't easy, uh, but I definitely became a principal. And then the next one I would say that was a, has, was a big impact in my life was my chair for my doctoral study. Uh, a five foot, maybe... I don't know, 10, 11 inches, um, Jewish professor who, who took me under his wings and motivated me to the point that said, if anybody's going to complete their doctorate, it's going to be you. And I think those words of, of confidence and those words of um, encouragement are actually what took me all the way through the journey of doing a doctorate because I don't know if either of you know, that is not an easy task. And definitely um, having that extra motivation helped me. So I would say those are the three people that really impacted my life um, up to this point. You know, you're talking about doctorate. I was thinking of doing mine. And I saw my wife who just started hers and she just demotivated me because she's working her <laughs> butt. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. And of course, Harry is a is a Yale professor. So he he understands what you're talking about. <laughs> no. Harry, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Midnight oil and, <laughs> and encouraging your students to keep going, because when a student succeeds, you succeed. And I, I see that very much. So, yes. So I mentioned that, you know, you were talking about uh, who inspired you and who's your role model. So did you always wanted to be a, a, an educator? Does that was uh, or uh, it came as a, you know, a time passed by? Well, um, that's 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 a yes and no question. I, I always knew I wanted to go to college. I always knew I wanted to graduate. I, I love teaching. My mother was an excellent teacher without a degree, if you know what I'm talking about. She was a fascinating biblical teacher, and uh, I think I, I um, inherited those skills from her. But um, after I finished, or as I was going to school, my other love was was to go into law. I, I wanted to be a, a lawyer. I wasn't sure what kind or anything like that, but I knew that that's something else that I wanted to be. Unfortunately, and, and but I don't, I say unfortunately, but it's not an excuse. Um, at that time, women were more encouraged to be teachers or to be secretaries or to be nurses uh, and things like that. So there was not a lot of of encouragement as far as me moving into uh, being a lawyer. I always say things always work out for the best because I absolutely love teaching, love being with kids. And I've taught everywhere from kindergarten, believe it or not, those little, you know, you the kindergarten cop movie. <laughs> yeah, that's why I, I taught all the way from kindergarten all the way uh, to master's level and even doctorate uh, levels. So I've had the full gamut, and I can't say there's one level that I've enjoyed uh, more than another one. So yeah, I think I think teaching is my my calling. 
and and I and I absolutely love doing it. So so that's why that's why I say I, I probably at some time in my life went back and forth uh, as an educator uh, or being an educator and and being a lawyer, but no regrets. I tell you what, I probably if I had the opportunity, I would do it again, definitely. Awesome. So, Martha, how did you become Polk State Provost? It's such a high position and a position of honor and trust. Tell us about your journey to that. Well, you're absolutely right. I, I think if, if you were to ask me what was my favorite job, even though I've loved teaching and I've been in, in all aspects of education, even a district director, which gave me the opportunity to see even a bigger picture, the job of being a provost at Polk State College was the best, I, I must say. Uh, and I, I was appointed to the Board of Trustees for Polk State College back in uh, 2000 by then Governor Bush. And I served as a trustee, which was another amazing experience uh, for 10 years. And after that, and I did that as I also did uh, being a principal and dist district director. So uh, it, was, it was just an added um, responsibility that I had. Um, after 10 years or 11 years of doing that, I decided uh, to give somebody else another opportunity. And, and I, I um, decided not to do it anymore. Probably four or five years later, the position of dean uh, for academic affairs came up, and I said, "Well, why not? Let me give it a chance." I, I, I didn't have any experience in in higher ed except for being a trustee, which I think that's a pretty good one because, like you said, it's an honored position. Plus, you learn a lot about policies of of the college and the university. So I applied for the dean. But I, I'm going to tell you this. This is really, really funny. This is this is just to show you the different level. And and Harry, you probably can relate this very much. Relate to this because having no or never applied for a position in higher ed, I went. I had to do a presentation. <laughs> I think anytime you're going to go do apply for a position in higher ed, you have to do a presentation. What you did. Well, I went for my presentation and I had no PowerPoints. I had, you know, nothing like that. I literally memorized my speech, or I should say my agenda of my speech, not word for word, for two different topics that they gave me. Absolutely no PowerPoint, no anything. Just went out in front of the group and spoke my heart out. And... Um, and, and then I, same thing I did with the committee. And uh, then the committee selected me for uh, the Dean of Academic Affairs. Uh, a couple of years later, the provost position came up and for the same uh, campus. And I said, why not? You know, if, I could do, <laughs> if you could be a Dean, you could be a provost. Well, I didn't realize the provost was like the campus president. Yeah. So the responsibilities were, were amazing. I say that the experience that I had as uh, an administrator, principal, as a district director really gave me the leadership skills to do, uh, to be the provost. All I had to learn was more about 
had the role or the position is carried out. But as far as leadership skills, I had it. So it, it, it was not it was not a huge transition. You could transfer leadership skills, most definitely. So um, it, it, it was wonderful. It, it, I had to retire, had to retire, um, but I enjoyed it tremendously. I love higher ed. I think it's great. What an what inspirational your- story. Thank you. <laughs> sure. What was your challenges as, as the provost there, you know? First of all, I think a challenge for any position that you walk in, even though even though you know more or less you or you know the population is is the people, is the relationship, the the colleagues, the professors, the administration. I was now part of the president's uh, staff, so you know though that's a little different. It carries a whole lot more weight. Uh, I was more involved in the community, which was really, really a good thing because it took me out there as a, an advocate for education and for the um, and for the 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 college in itself. So, so I think that was probably one of a big challenge. And also, um, you know, getting to know the students a little bit more. I wanted to know from students what was going on, what what challenges they were having, so that I would be able to um, to help them through their challenges. You know, because uh, uh, a university, the challenges for students in a university is totally different from the challenges of students in in a community college, uh, most definitely. So working with students, because I knew that if the students had the opportunity to um, get their education, and when I say that, it could be an AA degree, a BA degree, it could be a certificate, it could be anything that they, they wanted to get, then I knew that that was the first step out of poverty for a lot of our students. And, and that, was, that was my challenge. Uh, how to communicate and how to help students uh, navigate through that, the, the, those, those trials, and tribulations and heartaches and, and wanting to give up. Kind of like, kind of like, uh, Harry, kind of like when I was going through my dissertation, I wanted to give up so many times. So um, I guess I would be able, I was able to transfer that to the community college and to the students. And with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you ready for a broad look at everything to do with the world of sports? If so, tune in to the Mike Abadir Show. It's a unique perspective to the connections between sports and business. Host Mike Abadir has negotiated numerous deals in the NFL. Along with co-host Gino Bacola, Mike will bring his expertise, discussion, and some terrific guests to the airwaves. Listen live for the Mike Abadir Show every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Today, many doctors prescribe basic pharmaceuticals to their patients who aren't feeling well or have various aches or pains. Is this the right course of action for all patients? Definitely not. Find out about healthy, natural ways to help you feel your best by tuning in to the CBD Ed Show with host Edward Cheney. Ed will explain full-spectrum CBD, where the whole hemp plant can be used for treatment, and answer all of your questions about CBD and natural treatment in general. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. You're listening to The Spotlight with the Ambassador and the Chief. If you have a question or a comment about the program, drop us a line via email to support at dbaeecsolutions.com. Again, that's support at dbaeecsolutions.com. Now back to The Spotlight. And we're back in the spotlight with Dr. Marta Santiago. Uh, take it all, Harry. Go ahead. Uh, Marta, uh, you know, it's been, our, our listeners will be so impressed to hear your, your amazing story. And uh, when you said one step out of poverty for a lot of these children is something that we all understand. And it, it just made me admire you. Um, but what were your challenges while uh, provost at Polk State? Well, um, again, it was it was working with students and and communicating with them. Our, our students are a little different from the university level, and I think that's really important for people to understand. Universities have one type of students. Community colleges have another. Uh, the majority of our students actually are adults, as far as having responsibilities with. Family, kids, work, oh my gosh, they have full-time jobs and then they come to school um, and, and so forth and so forth. So the light at the end of the tunnel is really, really hard for them to see and, and to grasp and, and to do. So my constant challenge was not only for me, but for those that, that uh, reported to me was to build relationships with students so that then when we say something to them or when we give them some advice or encouragement or something like that, that they would, they would be appreciated and, and take it to heart. So a challenge was making people that sit behind a desk a lot of the times uh, or, or most of the time they're at the college to step out of that box and go outside and connect and communicate uh, with their students. So I, the, the focus is, is a little challenging, but let me tell you something. The, um, I don't even know how to say it, but the most rewarding, I guess, would be the best word. Rewarding time for me as a provost, as a dean, as an educator, as a person, was at graduation. My responsibility was to call the names of the students as they came up and got their diploma. And I, I want you to know, because I worked so hard at trying to get them to know the students as much as possible. And at graduation, we had over 600, 700 students graduating summer and um, uh, winter time. Oh my God, it was wonderful to see these students come across the stage and get their diploma. And I must brag a little bit, some of them, or I would say a lot of them, would stop and give me a hug and say, thank you. Oh, that's nice. And, and, and cross the stage. 
So, so that was that was really neat. But let me tell you another better story, just to show you um, how rewarding this has been, even though it, it posed a lot of challenges that that I had to go through. Because I was a K through twelve teacher, assistant principal, and principal in the area where most of the students would come to Polk State College. That's the college that I was at. I saw a lot of the students that I had in elementary school or middle school or even high school come to Polk State College. Now, they grew up and they looked totally different. So mm-hmm. I can't say I recognize them. But when you had somebody scream across campus, Dr. Santiago, Dr. Santiago, is that you? That meant I didn't change my looks a whole lot. <laughs> I knew immediately that it was one of my students that I had in, in, in one of the schools from the K through 12. That was amazing. And so my challenge began that if I saw them go from K through 12, I better see them graduate. And, um, and, and, and that's what I did. But another challenge that as a provost is that everybody turns to the provost before they go to the president. That's why they call it a campus president. So I had to make a lot of decisions that impacted uh, a lot of people. Some of the people liked it, staff, employees, professors, and some of them did not. But I had to take into consideration the whole college family uh, when I made uh, decisions. One of the worst decisions or one of the worst challenges that I had even as a K through 12 principal was if someone was there because it was just a job and they did not put forth the effort that was needed in the classroom as far as teaching or, or a staff member uh, mentoring students or anything in that capacity, then, then I had to deal with it. And, but I'll tell you what, by the time I dealt with it, um, I gave it a lot of time to talk about it and encourage them. So, you know, you can't change people. You can only do the best that you can. Well, that's impressive because what do you think a college like Pulse State can do to better our youth or to give it a better pass? Talking about, you know, give them an opportunity in education or, you know, how can they market themselves better? What else do they need to do? Or what do you think that they have to be doing? to do that that's a million dollar question <laughs> but i i think i'm i'm just going to answer it from my experience and what i did was when i was a provost it's it's going out to the community let me give you an example our student enrollment <clears throat> went down and of course now it's a whole different story because of of covid and all that <clears throat> but back there our student enrollment went down and and there was you know, what are we going to do what are we going to do what are we going to do and they talked about all this other stuff. And finally, I thought about the movie. Uh, what was the baseball movie uh, where they built the stadium and they said, or they built the, the field. Dream of field. Field of dreams. Field of dreams. I don't know why or how that movie came to me in the saying, if, if, if we build it, they will come. So I kind of made a little twist to that. And I said, if they won't come to us, we'll go to them. We'll take our dog and pony show, whatever you want to call it, 
and go to the places where the students are at, where we would find them. So I did, we did that. We took a whole show. We went to churches. We went to community centers. We went to um, meetings. I took financial aid. I took um, uh, the staff that worked with uh, registration. I took, uh, I, took, I, ho- I took a whole little team with me, a whole team. I replicated what we had in Polk State County, Polk State College, and took it out to over there. So by the time the students and the parents that were not comfortable coming to um, Polk State College, and I would say to any college, because usually the students that we get, parents and students are not comfortable going to the, the college, then by going to them, that made it so much easier. That was such a success because by the time the student left that meeting, they were registered. We even registered. I knew what classes they needed to take. Uh, to oh, register. Wow. We even registered them for at least two classes. Could have been more, but at least the two classes that we knew they had to get. We had financial aid figured out as much as possible unless they needed to bring more uh, paper in. The registrar was there for any particular problem. I mean, the whole works. When the student left, they were part of Polk State College. That was excellent. Now, I'm not at Polk State College anymore. I don't know if they still do that. It won some awards. We did presentations about it because it worked so well. So those, those are some of the things that, um, you know, that I did to take the message out there. We're here, Polk State College, any community college is here for people. Another thing that we did was we highlighted all our um, uh, previous uh, college graduates, they were successful in our community. Uh, you know, you tend, to, you tend to gravitate to university, no offense, Harry, to university <laughs> mascots and, and football teams and things like that. And, and, and you kind of forget your first beginnings. So we decided to bring back to the college um, successful, local successful graduates of Polk State College. So students can see, hey, they did it, so, we can, we, so can I. And one of those that we brought at that time, he was a, a big shot at uh, Walt Disney World here in, in Orlando. And he started at Polk State College and now, you know, he's, he's way out there. So I think that gave students hope. And hope is real, real important for students of poverty, definitely. You said that um, students and their parents are uncomfortable going to a college campus. Please tell our listeners why that is so. Help educate us. Well, I think it it stems from their experiences with K through 12. I think, um, no, I don't think I believe um, you know, uh, parents have, may have had a hard time um, in the K through 12. So those kind of feelings, they they bring it up to um, the college level, and they don't they don't feel like they should even go to the college. But I think the biggest factor, if I may say so, is that. Most parents, and I hate to generalize because, you know, once you do your dissertation, you never generalize again. But most parents think that once a student finishes high school and graduates, 
that's it. And, and they don't have to worry about um, their child anymore. And I say the contrary, uh, totally the contrary. That's when a parent needs to be there for the student and to help the student as much as possible. But they don't know how. They, they just don't understand higher education, how that functions, how to help their students, what to say, what to do. So um, one of the things that we did for big uh, students that were coming in, this is another project for students that were coming in for the first time um, to the college. What we did was we had uh, a, a course for the parents. It was, it was kind of like a workshop. And in the workshop, we had all the parents, and it, it was really successful. And we had the parents come in, and we taught the parents about higher education and what it entails and how much they're needed to support their child in, in higher education. And not to say, well, he's 18 or she's 18. She's in college. I don't have to worry about it anymore, and I'm not going to do anything. So I think, I think those are the issues. And there still are the issues um, that are in, in higher ed. And then I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to say, and, and Alex or Harry, both of you may agree with this, um, educational institutions are not the friendliest places to go to. Uh, you know, the, the first face that they meet, the first person that they talk to will give impression of how the college is, period. Uh, and when you walked into a school, the first person you saw was the secretary sitting there and how that secretary treated you or, or not made a big difference on how <laughs> you felt. You know what I'm talking about. So yeah. we're, we're just not the friendliest institutions to welcome people. And so I think all those three and probably other factors that I uh, don't have time to mention. I, I think you mentioned something. You created something that we call in the military a mobile training team. And you call it, you know, you did it a mo mobile recruiting team where you brought all your tools to recruit, you know, your students at one point yeah. in one spot. And that is <laughs> that is pretty smart. You know, I, I think I think sometimes they think they cannot do it or they cannot afford it and they don't know the opportunities or the information. And all of a sudden, you know, when it's presented to them, they say, well, maybe I can for sure. Yeah, absolutely. But, well, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Join us every week for The Spotlight with The Ambassador and The Chief. The Ambassador is host Harry Thomas, and The Chief is host Alex Morales. Together, they bring you different views on today's challenges, from politics to education, security, defense, and the economy. The Ambassador and The Chief, along with their guest experts, outline new perspectives and lively discussions. Tune in to The Spotlight on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. You're listening to The Spotlight with the Ambassador and the Chief. If you have a question or a comment about the program, drop us a line via email to support at dbaeecsolutions.com. Again, that's support at dbaeecsolutions.com. Now back to the spotlight. And we're back to the spotlight with Dr. Marta Santiago. Go ahead, Harry. Well, Madam Commissioner, what made (laughs) you decide to run for the office? Oh, that's so sweet, Madam Commissioner. Thank you, Harry. I'm still getting used to that title, to be honest with you. Um, Well, I I have to go back to what my mother said. She said that I must have come out like my grandfather because he was very, very much involved in his community in Puerto Rico, and he was a spokesperson, and and he, he loved politics. I don't remember that uh, my father, my grandfather passed away when I was 12 years old. So I didn't have an opportunity to, to learn from him, but it was really nice that my mother uh, made that connection of me being in, or wanting to be in politics because uh, I, I guess I got the genes from my grandfather. I don't know, but um, I, I've lived in in Polk County for forty years. I moved here in in 1980, mm-hmm. and uh, so I've all forty years. And I've been I've been here ever since. I remember coming here to teach, uh, hired from Puerto Rico to teach here in Polk County, and driving through the town of Winnehaven, which is the second largest city in Polk County. And saying to myself, oh, I really like this place. It actually reminds me back then of Puerto Rico. A lot of farming, right? (laughs) Yeah. And so because of that, I stayed and I stayed living in in Puerto Rico. So um, so I I love I love my place. And uh, another thing about me is that I am a worker. Uh, not only working as a career, but also working uh, in in the community. And I've, my my dream has always been to to be active and be part of the community that I lived in. And so that's basically how I, I started, uh, just getting involved, being involved, uh, being on boards, working, uh, doing everything I possibly could. Uh, for my community. It was a little hard uh, being a, a, um, an administrator because you're kind of like um, glued to your school and it's really hard to get out. But in, in, in Saturdays, Sundays, uh, evenings, and anytime I could. And I, basically that's the way my kids grew up. And guess what? That's what they do now. So they only do what they what they see you doing. So that's that's the way that's the way I started in Polk County. And my dream is is as a commissioner is to make Polk County the best that it can be. And I, I will do that every single day. I, I see that 
First of all, congratulations, but I see that you're the first Hispanic and the first Puerto Rican to hold a seat in Polk County. So uh, uh, does it carry a little bit of pressure or you feel like, uh, you know, is, this is what I do, you know? <laughs> well, first of all, let me just say it was I wish both of you would have been at my victory party. That would have been nice. I it, wish I could. It, it was it's amazing. Um, it, it was an amazing feeling. And I, I must say I was. Very, very, very proud, not only for me, but, um, you know, you talk about smashing the ceiling that that was that was literally smashing the ceiling uh, when I was I was elected. Um, a great, great accomplishment. But let me also say, on the other hand, it was not my first uh, venture in, in this. Uh, this was actually the third time that I ran for county commission. Wow. And it was funny because as I was running for county commission, the the newspaper, the local newspaper, Every time they printed a story about me, I always reminded people that this was my third time. I don't know if that was a good thing or a bad thing. I, I kind of felt like really bad <clears throat> that I had run twice twice and I'm running the third time. And 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 you know, the fear of 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 not making it was so prevalent in everything I did. I ran against just just to give you a little bit of background what I was up against so that you can see. Uh, I'm a Republican, and um so I had to win my primary. That was real, real important in the Republican. First Hispanic um, in in the in the commission. We've had one African American, also Republican, who was also a dear friend of mine, who was also a county commissioner, and unfortunately he passed away uh, from cancer as uh, in the role of commissioner. And and that's when that was my first time I tried after he passed away. I I decided I wanted to put my name in to be uh, appointed to the position. I wasn't, somebody else was, but neither here or there. So, so I had to pass a primary. I had two previous primaries that I did not get through. One, I lost pretty, pretty bad by over 3,000 votes. And you say 3,000 votes is nothing. And really it's not that bad compared to what I could have lost. The other one I lost, and the second one I lost it by 600 votes, which was pretty oh, bad. Man. Because I know that was pretty close. Um, so here I am campaigning against a military guy. No offense, Alex. <laughs> submarine uh, corporal, I think. Is that the right term for yeah. submarine? Yeah, yeah. Corporal is someone, good. Yeah. Someone way up there, okay, which is a really big deal when it comes to um, politics and, and to the Republicans. And um, so this is, this, is, this is the person I was running against. So I put on my shoes and I walked this Polk County everywhere I could. I walked. Every time you turn around, I was waving signs. Every time you turn around, I was giving out literature. I was going to everybody and anybody that could call me and wanted me to speak, I was there. Meanwhile, at the back of my head, I was, what about if I don't win? What about if I lose again? What about, what about? And then I thought after I won, I said, what about if I would have conceded to those thoughts? I would have lost a whole lot. So I, I stuck to it. It was a close primary. It was, I won by 600 votes, kind of the opposite of the other one. It was really a close primary. In fact, when we first started, 
um, I was losing. And I go, oh, Lord, I've been here. I've just been here. I know what this feels. I can't believe this is happening. And all of a sudden, it all twisted. And um, I came out ahead, and I won the primary. So that was absolutely awesome. To win the primary of a Republican Party in Polk County, and at that time, even 2018, we, we, don't, we didn't have a very large Hispanic, Hispanic yeah. Republican population. Correct. So, so understand what I'm saying to you. I was not voted in by the Hispanics, even though I'm sure the Hispanics helped me get to the 600. But the majority of the, the votes came from Republican, um, <clears throat> Anglo, voters. And that's why I say I smashed the ceiling with that. The general election was not a problem, even though I had a female um, Democrat running against me. Um, I had tons and tons of Democrats uh, voting for me. So it was a huge margin uh, between my opponent and my Democrat party. So and, and I guess um, I, I don't say all this to boast. Um, I just say that when you work hard and, and when you give it the very best that you can, things happen. And, and that's all I can say. Think, I think people believed in me, believed in my message and believed what I could do. But I also think the other key to this was that I was out, remember when I told you I was out in the community a lot and being the provost of Polk State College put me saw out you in the all community the time. a lot. Being in the community, people got to know me. They knew who Martha Santiago was. And as you well know in politics, people will always ask you, hey, I don't know this person. Do you know this person? Who do you recommend? And by people knowing me, they would recommend me to fellow uh, voters. I think that was real, real important. So I was not someone that um, people didn't know. People knew me, they knew about me, they saw me, and they knew that I was somebody that they wanted to see in the commission. I always say, always say, your reputation precedes you anywhere you go by what people see. If people would have seen in me that I was not respected, that I was not um, uh, dedicated, that I didn't care about my community, that I was not out and about doing the heavy lifting, then that's the reputation they would have talked about me or they would have spread about me. It was totally the opposite. So I think that had a lot to do with the fact that um, that I was the first Hispanic, period. Well, and then add to that female that has been elected in Polk County. Now, my goal is to see other Hispanics and um, coming up. And I, I would do anything to help anybody that wants to uh, move into politics because we need diversity. We need yeah. to have, and, and, and let me just say, I'm the only female. To add to this, there's five in the, in the county commission I'm the only female in the county commission. So I think that's that's good. We're glad that you didn't quit. I'll tell you that. Go ahead, Harry. 
<laughs> I am too. Thank you. Uh, Marta, you're also an entrepreneur. Please tell us about your business. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I'm, when you say that, I'm thinking, oh my God, have I done all that? <laughs> well, here's, here's the thing. I'm for small businesses anyway. Small businesses are, um, I think, very, very important. When I left the provost, and to be honest with you, um, if I didn't run for if I didn't run for county commissioner, if I didn't win the county commission, I probably would still be at the Polk State College because it was is my love. And um, so one of the things I I said to myself, you know, I have so many years of leadership experience through K, through doctoral program, in all sorts of position. I sure hate not to have um, that experience, or I sure hate for that experience to go to waste. So I said, I, I need to open up my business as a consultant and provide my services for anybody that uh, would need them. Uh, lo and behold, I've, I've been used through the K through 12 program. I've even been used for the chamber, uh, the Wenner Haven Chamber, because they have leadership uh, programs. And so I've been able to work with a leadership group. <clears throat> and I was, I've even been able to help Polk State College. So indirectly, I, I've, I've been helping Polk State College because one of the things that they want to do is increase their Hispanic student population because since the Hurricane Maria, uh, a lot of Puerto Ricans have moved uh, to Polk County, to Osceola County, Orange County, but specifically to Polk County. And we want to capture those students to come to Polk State College. So they've asked me if I would help them um, devise a plan to, to encourage the students, Hispanic students to come to Polk State College. So, so as a, a business person, I have now a different perspective. Uh, I know what it is to wear different hats uh, to do the job. I, I know what it is to, to work uh, late uh, hours because I've had to complete something that I couldn't complete during the day because I was doing commission work. Um, so, so it has just given me a, a different appreciation and a different meaning of what it is to be a small business um, owner. And I'm glad I'm doing this. And I will continue to be a small business owner as long as I can. Wonderful, it's, wonderful. Thank you. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. What do you think uh, the challenge that small business face in Polk County? Just out of curiosity or what uh, you see from both sides? Well, uh, you know, that's, that's a loaded question. And as a county commissioner, I'm glad that I was able to assist in this area. But with the pandemic, uh -huh. uh, oh, it, it has uh, destroyed a lot of businesses and other businesses have been able to, to make it because Polk, Polk County got $126 million to use as COVID uh, relief funds. And we were able to pour, I, I mean, literally pour uh, 40 million into small businesses to help them keep their doors open as much as possible. Uh, and, and that was very good. But I'm going to tell you something. And, and this message needs to go out loud and clear. Government is not the answer for everything. We can only do so much. In fact, if we didn't get that 140 
uh, $126 million. I don't know what we would have done to help uh, small businesses because like everybody else, we're limited in our, in our resources. But I'm gonna tell you what really impressed me and what went beyond government. And that was the people. The people got on social media and started um, uh, admonishing, encouraging people to start, especially with restaurants, or with small businesses to carry out uh, that they sold things, or businesses that provided a service that they could use. Just encourage people, keep using them. Curbside um, pickup, uh, just, just do whatever you can. I saw an outpouring of love uh, from the community that I have never seen before. That, that was amazing. I, that will stay with me forever as I think about how the people rescued, rescued. They, they filled in where government could not, and they rescued these small businesses. Now, did some fall and close? Yes. Correct. There's only so much we could do. But a majority of them are making, are making it through. So I think that's uh, awesome. Awesome. Well, we are about to end our podcast. We thank you so much. Harry, take us, take us out. Uh, Marta, thank you so much. Uh, you have been inspirational. Um, you may not know, I have family in the Br British Virgin Islands. My daughter owns a house in Puerto Rico. Yay! <laughs> and, uh, it's a small world, but uh, you have come a long way from 149th and 3rd. And we're all very, very proud of you. And I hope that you can continue to inspire youngsters throughout our country uh, Latinx especially, but women, other minorities, and the gringos too, because they can <laughs> learn from you. So God bless you and your family. And it's three weeks early, but happy Mother's Day to you and to your mother. Thank you so very much. And thank you for this wonderful opportunity. It's, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. And it was the spotlight with the ambassador and the chief. Thank you for tuning into The Spotlight with the Ambassador and the Chief. Be sure to join Chief Alex Morales and Ambassador Harry Thomas again on the Voice America Variety Channel.